Hello, and welcome to another special bonus episode of Power Pros Podcast. Once again, I am your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and joining me one more time is my special guest co-host, comicbook.com's very own Mark Deschamps. Great to be here today, Chris. Yeah, I'm especially glad to have you here on this occasion because what we are talking about actually got its start in comic books. So it is very appropriate that that's where you work in these days. But what this episode is going to be all about is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Specifically, it's going to be about the video games that have appeared on Nintendo systems of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But, you know, it is hard to think of a licensed property that has been more prolific in video games than TMNT. I mean, maybe Batman, maybe some Marvel properties, if you like combine them all together. But it seems like you know, no matter the Nintendo system that was out there, the Ninja Turtles were almost always there in some capacity, whether it was the NES or the Game Boy or the Super NES or the Game Boy Advance or the GameCube or the DS or the Wii or even the 3DS. And, you know, while as a whole, it's a mixed bag for sure, a lot of those games are really, really fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like you said, they were there from the beginning. You know, I can just remember in the NES days, the Ninja Turtles were very much connected to the NES world. And even though, you know, it wasn't a first party game, it kind of almost felt like it was. Well, they have certainly been around, you know, doing this thing with video games for more than 30 years, and that is awesome. But the particular reason why we're doing this episode right now is the recent announcement of the new TMNT game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, which is from developer Tribute Games and publisher Dot Emu, who are known for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and, say, Streets of Rage 4, respectively. And while there's no release date yet, and they haven't confirmed which systems this game is coming to, we don't know for sure it's coming to a Nintendo platform, we're kind of assuming it's coming to a Nintendo platform, and I have to say, this game looks freaking amazing. It is based on the Ninja Turtles 1980s cartoon incarnation. It is clearly inspired by some of those popular TMNT games of years gone by, and it has a very Nintendo-friendly, colorful art style. Honestly, waking up to that news the other day was so exciting. Yeah, for sure. I was not expecting that at all. Knocked my socks off. No, it was out of nowhere. Yeah, they announced it about a week ago as we're recording this. And they with a trailer that's about 90 seconds or so long. And opened with a really flashy 60 seconds of cartoon quality animation of the turtles and their enemies and their allies, and yeah, it just looked amazing. It was fairly mind-blowing. We get to see the turtles driving around in the party van. They're grabbing pizza. We see fully animated bad guys, Bebop, Rocksteady, Baxter Stockman, a Triceraton, even Shredder's in action. And then we see, like, April and Splinter, even they're beating up bad guys, which tells me maybe they could even be playable characters in this game. And, of course, it's all set to, you know, a new version of the classic TMNT theme song. We see the turtles on skateboards and surfboards. There's vehicles like a monster truck. The Detected Rome shows up. And yeah, it just looked awesome. It's funny you should say that about Splinter and April being playable because I definitely got vibes from that trailer that that's what we're going to see. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, I've seen other games that do similar things and it just turns out to be, oh, you know, that was just for the intro. It's not really there, but yeah, I think that would be great. And I mean, it wasn't shown off in the trailer, but I would love to see Casey Jones finally get to appear as a playable character in like this style Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Oh yeah, yeah, that would make a lot of sense too. And the thing is that even though they had this one minute animation, which would make a great first reveal trailer, no, they didn't stop there. Then they had like another 30 seconds of actual gameplay. So we're seeing, you know, this beautiful you know, awesome sprite art of the turtles in action. We see that it is a four player simultaneous game. All four turtles are running down the street. They're fighting foot soldiers that are on motorcycles or on foot, haha, or on flying hover bikes. We even see them fighting foot soldiers that appear to be working in like an office at desk jobs. It was ridiculous. Then we see Bebop and Rocksteady in action as bosses. And just overall, it looked like a classic arcade style four player beat em up in the best way possible. 
they really got me with the Foot Clan members getting thrown at the screen. Yeah, just totally. Just like in the old arcade games. Yeah, that's how they end it, was Michelangelo grabs a foot soldier and just hurls him into the screen, just like they did in the classic Konami arcade game and Super NES port, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. So, you know, I feel like basically every TMNT game that's come out in the last 20 years has been like, yeah, we're going to bring it back, that classic arcade feeling, and some of them sort of do, a lot of them do not, but I think there's a very good chance that this one is totally going to pull it off. One thing that I really liked about this game was just the reaction online. It just felt like Twitter exploded from that news. Yeah, people were very excited. Yeah, and it was cool. It, I don't think I've seen anything Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles related get that kind of reception since I was a kid. Yeah, you're probably right. It's been a long time, but you know there's such an appetite for you know these versions of the characters and those classic arcade games have just been so so very popular over the years. You know, I think they just kind of struck the right chord with this one. And it's cool. I'm already seeing people request tribute do other licensed games if they pull this off. <laughs> I'd personally love an X-Men arcade game, you know, done in this style. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool too. But uh, yeah, we don't really know when this one is coming out. It could be this year. It might be next year. It could be even something later than that. I hope not. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what they put together because so far the trailer has looked phenomenal. It's pretty much everything I would want out of a Ninja Turtles game. I mean, maybe, I mean, I think the graphics look very Game Boy Advance inspired. What about you? Yeah, I definitely get that vibe. In fact, a lot of people I've seen say that Game Boy Advance. And to me, that's a good thing. I'm totally in for that. I mean, I do like it a lot. Just something about the colors, something about the line work. It just has this very GBA style aesthetic. Maybe it's the resolution it's rendered at. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it looks quite as cool as those old Konami arcade games. That's kind of where I was going with that. That's maybe the one thing I would change a bit, but I still think that you know it looks pretty darn amazing all the way around. Absolutely. So yeah, that is super exciting. Hopefully it is coming to Switch, but we figured you know this is a great opportunity to not just talk about this new game, but to look back on some of the great TMNT games of the past three decades. Yeah, let's get started. Okay, so you know... If you caught our NES 35th anniversary show, you know that the original TMNT game on that system, published by the Ultra Arm of Konami, it is not a game that is either of our personal favorites. It's sort of cheap, it's sort of frustrating, it's pretty user-unfriendly, and despite using the characters and settings of the TMNT cartoon, a lot of it doesn't really look or feel like a Ninja Turtles game, you know? That game is a testament to how difficult licensed games could be back then. You know, you look at that water level, and I know I'm beating <laughs> a dead horse on that, but if you look at that water level, there's nobody that grew up in the NES days that didn't hate that level. <laughs> Yeah, that was a pretty frustrating level. But, you know, even if you got past the water level, then you were getting run over by steamrollers or you're trying to get across that one big jump where you have to throw out the rope. But if you don't know, you just walk up to it. You'll automatically throw out the rope. You'll try to, like, jump over it. You'll fall in and die every time. And, oh, man, it would just get you pretty much every way imaginable. It was a pretty uh, vicious game in a lot of respects. But the thing is... Despite the fact that I thought it was pretty terrible, it was pretty darn popular at the time. You know, it got a cover story on the sixth issue of Nintendo Power, and I remember it pretty much dominating the charts for like half a year or so. I think that's probably more of a testament to the popularity of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a brand at the time, because the turtles were everywhere mm -hmm. at that point. I would like to believe that. I think that is probably true. I mean, it kind of irks me a little bit to be like, oh, we're just going to put this on the charts because it's a really popular brand rather than it's actually a good game. I figure that had to be the reason, though, because like I said, it is not what you would call a great game by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, it's it's definitely something that wasn't great at the time. It definitely hasn't held up. No, no. However, despite my reservations with that original NES game, I loved 
the TMNT arcade game, which came out that same year, 1989. So let me tell you the truth. The truth is I am not a big TMNT fan overall. You know, I was not a huge fan of the show. I didn't really watch it. I didn't buy the toys either. But I did play the games, and I loved a whole lot of those games, especially that first arcade game. In fact, many years later, I bought a four-player arcade cabinet and a TMNT arcade circuit board to go with it just so I could play that game in my home as much as I wanted. It was that much fun. Now, I was kind of the opposite. I was the perfect age for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it totally got me right <laughs> off the bat. I can remember picking up my first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toy at like a Woolworths mm-hmm. and my mom thinking it was the dumbest looking thing she'd ever seen. She still bought me the figure, <laughs> but she thought it was like the dumbest okay. looking thing she'd ever seen. So, I mean, I was hook, line and sinker for the turtles. That's kind of gone away a little bit over the years, but I still have a ton of nostalgia for those old games, especially mm-hmm. the first arcade game. Yeah, I mean, regardless of how you got there, whether you were just wowed by the attract screen or the game just looked cool or you were brought in because you liked everything else about the property, yeah, I mean, the game was just phenomenal. It's pretty simple and straightforward, and it's basically just a quarter-munching beat-em-up, but it's just so fun and it's so polished. And for that type of game, it had a whole lot of variety and was just very, very satisfying to play. And I think a lot of it had to do with all the details and the little touches that just made it so darn immersive. Just the animation, the music, the detailed cartoony graphics. You know, you'd get quips from the turtles, quips from the bosses when they showed up. You'd get you know, varied attacks and combos that would come out just by mashing the attack button. You didn't really need to have any skill. You could just wail on that button. You'd throw out all kinds of cool moves. And then if you did learn to do different, more varied attacks and you could hit the button simultaneously and do a really powerful smashing attack, or you could learn to do the various jump attacks that all had their advantages and disadvantages. And one of the things that I loved the most was how it had like this semi-random automatic throw. Like if you defeat a couple enemies, then like the next one you attack, you just stick your weapon into them, toss them over your shoulder, and they would just be instantly defeated. And all that stuff add up to a really enjoyable, playable game that anybody could pick up and have a blast with. Konami at the time was the king of the licensed beat-em-ups. Oh, yeah. Because you had TMNT, and then you had Simpsons, and you had X-Men yep. right in a row. And, I mean, they were all just so faithful to the source material. You know, like you were saying about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there were just so many little details in there that just made it come to life. It made that world more vibrant than even the cartoons did at the time. Yeah, totally. So that was one of those things that just really made that game so different from other licensed titles at the time. Yeah, and even stuff that really wasn't necessarily tied directly to the Turtles license, I think made it really appealing. I mean, all that stuff did. The fact that the characters looked and sounded like their cartoon counterparts, the way that they acted like their cartoon counterparts, and you saw all of these enemies from the show and stuff, you know, that was all excellent. But then you could do stuff like, you know, hit a street sign with your weapon. It would go flying across the screen and smash through enemies. Or you could hit a fire hydrant and the end would blow off and that would clobber the bad guys as well. You could knock back a manhole cover that a bad guy threw at you or something like that. And just all these little tiny detailed gameplay nuances were just so cool. And then, of course, there were lots of little surprises in there. You know, enemies would sort of jump out of nowhere. You know, they'd knock that billboard sign down. The enemies would jump out. Uh, suddenly, they would burst through windows. You'd have that drill tank thing, like, popping out of the ground when you weren't really expecting it. Just, you know, all kinds of little stuff like that that made it super fun. And it was such a blast to play in the arcades, too. Mm-hmm. I can remember going to Major Magics. I don't know if a lot of people remember Major Magics, but it was like a precursor to Chuck E. Cheese. Mm, doesn't ring any bells for me, but okay. I, you know, that game would always be just surrounded by kids. You know, the joysticks would be covered in pizza grease. <laughs> but it was part of the experience, you know. That's pizza power for you. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I got from, you know, the trailer for the new game. I mean, it just, you, you wanted to play it in, you know, a packed arcade filled with kids, you know, 
too noisy and, and drowning out the sound effects. That's what I want. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple ways to play that game. Like if you were playing it by yourself, which didn't happen that often, you could kind of be strategic and take your time. And even though it was kind of designed as a quarter muncher, if you were smart about it, you could get pretty far on just one token. But kind of the more fun way to play was to just go totally crazy. You know, four players, everyone jumps in there. You're just all like running the bad guys, just like, you know, plow them over with your different weapons. And you don't really care if you're you know getting hit at the same time because it's just fun to run through there and just bash the foot soldiers to pieces. Maybe you take a hit, maybe you die, maybe you got to put another quarter. But it was fun to just, you know, mash your way through, you know, regardless of the consequences. For sure. Absolutely. And that was actually one of the cooler things about playing games like that in the arcade is that, you know, you could play with these complete strangers. You know, you could yeah. you could jump in, you know, and be a fourth for three other people and you guys would have the time of your life and then you'd never speak to one another again. Yep. I remember having the exact same experiences. I would just jump in with people I never knew and would enjoy the game and have a great old time with these complete strangers. Yeah, I have a lot of distinct memories that, you know, um, going back to X-Men, that was another Konami classic. And I can remember beating Magneto for the first time. Oh, the master of Magneto. Uh, absolutely. Beating that game for the first time with three kids who were like 10 years older than me and never seeing <laughs> them again. And I'll never forget that. I remember one time you know, going out and seeing the Ninja Turtles arcade game. And, you know, some people were pretty far there, like on the fifth level or something. I'm like, yeah, I think I'll jump in and join these guys. And I continued playing the game. We got to the end. We beat Shredder. And then I realized afterwards it was like three guys from school that I like totally hated. <laughs> but for that very brief time, we all enjoyed hanging out and playing Ninja Turtles together. That's the power of video games right there. That's right. They bring people together. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, you know, had Bebop, Rocksteady, Baxter Stockman, Krang, Shredder, had skateboarding levels, had tons of swarming enemies. You know, jump up against the wall and the way you do that little kickflip, it was completely unnecessary, but it was in there. And you took a swing at that one girl who's like riding down the street and she screams. Why was that in there? I don't know, but it was great. But yeah, all those little details just add up to one of the most fun arcade experiences ever i would consider it to be my favorite arcade game of all time it's probably second or third for me but they're all konami beat-em-ups for me for me it's it's x-men it's simpsons it's tmnt mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yep i loved all of those so yeah despite the first nes outing not being so great that arcade game was on the completely other end of the scale and then not that much later like a year later Towards the end of 1990, the arcade game made its way to home systems, specifically the NES, as TMNT2, the arcade game. And sure, they had to make a lot of concessions to make it work on the NES. It was only two players. The amazingly detailed graphics and music didn't quite make it all the way there. I mean, they tried. It looked great for an NES game, but you know, it couldn't all be packed onto an NES cartridge. It just wasn't possible. You know, some of the moves had to be cut. That awesome throw move I was talking about, that isn't in there. But nonetheless, the game was really, really fun, I thought. Yeah, I mean, plus compared to the first NES TMNT game, I mean, you would take anything at that point. <laughs> I suppose that is true as well. But people even took that first NES game, so... Yeah, fair point. I don't know. But yeah, this was worlds, worlds apart. So much better. And you know, even though it wasn't as good as the arcade game, you know, it was just impossible with the technology at the time, You know what it lacked in arcade perfection, I feel like they were able to make up for in other aspects. Like, they had several brand new levels. There was the snowy Central Park stage and this Japanese-style dojo, and both of those levels had new enemies. They had new original characters as bosses. I think it was one of the few times where I would see a licensed game and they would put, like, brand-new original characters in it, and they actually fit really, really well. It's kind of too bad that I don't think they ever brought back, uh, what were their names, Shogun and Tora? I mean, they would have been great as toys or something, but I don't think it ever happened. They were made into any other property, but they would have worked because they were pretty darn cool, I thought. I really liked that snowy Central Park stage. That was really cool. <laughs> cool. Get it? Because it was snowing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, they also adjusted the difficulty for the home version because, you know, you couldn't just plop in a quarter every time. So, yeah, the way you played it was a little different. Your strategies were different. The way you timed your attacks was different. They couldn't throw, you know, a zillion enemies at once at you either. So, yeah, it was a bit of a different experience, but still, it was a lot of fun. And I loved playing that in two-player co-op with my friends and brothers and anyone else who I could get to come over and play it on the NES, you know? Yeah, it was the next best thing. Yeah, for sure. Also, though, that same year, in 1990, another fantastic Ninja Turtles game was released. It actually came out before TMNT 2, the arcade game. It was released on the Game Boy, TMNT Fall of the Foot Clan. Did you ever play that one? I owned that one, actually. All right. Yeah, for me, it was actually the game that made me want to own a Game Boy. It was a system seller for me. And, you know, similar to the arcade game, it was pretty simple, but it was just so much tons of fun. You know, very straightforward. You have a jump, you have an attack. If you crash down, you could throw ninja stars, even though they were surprisingly weak for ninja stars. But, uh, yeah, it was just a very straightforward action game. But once again, it was that attention to detail, I thought, that made it so much more than just a simple action game, you know? For sure. I felt like after that first NES game, Konami really went out of their way to do right by the Turtles brand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it just, it felt like we got a lot of really quality games. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, TMNT Fall of the Foot Clan, that is definitely one of my favorites. I really like the detailed backgrounds. I thought the characters looked really, really good. The Turtles, as well as their enemies, and once again, you know, they put in all those trademark characters. Uh, Rocksteady and Bebop were some of the bosses, Baxter Stockman as well. Shredder, of course, and for some reason, Krang was actually the final boss in this one instead of Shredder. They reversed roles. I don't think they do that very often. But, I mean, even regular foot soldiers looked great. Uh, the Mousers looked great. Those, you know, little electro droids with the stupid zapping action. You know, all that stuff looked really, really cool despite being rendered in just, you know, four shades of greenish gray. And that was a very early Game Boy game, too, which makes it all the more impressive. Yeah, it only came out about a year after the system hit. Yeah, there were still a lot of developers that were figuring that technology out at the time. Yeah, I mean, the one drawback is it is kind of on the sluggish side, which pretty much all Game Boy games at the time were. You know, you had to worry about, you know, the screen blurring if it scrolled too fast. So I think it was kind of because of that. But regardless, it was just fun and action-packed. And since basically there wasn't a whole lot of competition at the time, like I said, it was before TMT 2 hit the NES... I would have said at that time when it launched, it would have been the best TMNT game outside of arcades. Yeah, for sure. However, after that, Konami continued to up their game. And in early 1992, they released TMNT 3 The Manhattan Project on the NES. And it was not based on arcade game or anything else, but it was very arcade inspired. And a particular note was that in the Turtles' arsenal, they did add in a new manual throw move where you could impale enemies and just toss them over your shoulder, which was like the one thing I really missed from the NES port of the arcade game. And, you know, not only is it in there, but you can basically do it to any enemy that comes your way. You don't have to wait for it to just sort of randomly happen. It was just already in there. So they knew. They're like, okay, we know what's missing from... That last game, let's just crank it up to the next level. And, you know, it probably still wasn't as cool as the actual arcade game with those flashy graphics and great music and sound effects, but it was still a spectacular effort. Yeah, I owned that one on NES, and I was a big fan of that. Nice. The only thing that drove me nuts, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the only Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade-style beat-em-up where you could injure your fellow turtles. Am I correct? You know, I'm not really sure. There was a two-player mode A and mode B, and I think one allowed for friendly fire and the other didn't, but it's been so long that I can't remember. Yeah, that one, that was the one thing that drove me nuts is I felt like my friends and I always used to hurt each other while playing that game. But other than that, it was great. You know, I wouldn't put it on the same level as the, the arcade game, but it was a great effort on Konami's part, and you could see, you know, where that series was evolving. Yeah, I have to agree. It was a really, really excellent game. I and mean, there were so many things about it that I really, really enjoyed. It had a lot of levels to play through. It had good variety. 
And I liked the way that the levels were really connected to this game's story, which was that the bad guys, Shredder and Krang, they literally stole Manhattan Island by somehow lifting it up into the sky, kind of like that part at the end of Avengers 2, you know? Yeah, actually, you know, I never made the connection. That's really funny. That's right. That must be where it came from. (laughs) But yeah, at the beginning of the game, the turtles, like, they aren't even there. They're on vacation. I think maybe they're in Florida or maybe they're just in New Jersey. I don't remember. But, you know, they're on the beach. And so the first level is them like, oh, the foot soldiers are attacking us here on the beach and we have to get back to Manhattan because Shredder's got this crazy plot. And so then after that, they're like, okay, let's jump on our surfboards and try to surf our way back to New York. And then they land on a Foot Clan submarine and they commandeer the submarine and they take it back. And then they get to New York and they're on Manhattan Island as it's up in the sky. And so even though you're on the streets of New York, like the streets are kind of ruined and parts are like falling off and things. If you get knocked off, you will fall and take damage before magically respawning. And I just like the way that was all integrated into the plot so well. And of course, you know, then you get to some more traditional stuff. You have your sewer level, of course. You're on like the New York rooftops and eventually you get to the Technodrome. But uh, yeah, the way that they integrate all that stuff together, I thought was really, really cool. And I feel like it was foreshadowing their next release, too. Ah, yeah, I think I understand what you're getting at. But uh, before we move on to other releases, one of the other cool things about this title was that each turtle had a unique special move, which, uh, you know, unfortunately drained their health because that's what special moves did back in those days. But, uh, you know, unlike TMNT2, the arcade game, all the turtles had a unique ability in this one. Leo spun around in place with his blades. Raph sort of turned into a torpedo and launched himself across the screen. Mike did this weird handstand kick. Don did this spinning somersault. And sort of it was a trade-off between power and mobility. Like, the less powerful it was, the more mobility you got out of it. Like, Raph's was kind of weak, but he launched himself, you know, through multiple enemies and, like, halfway across the screen. Leo's was really powerful, but it was stationary, but, you know, he could hit multiple enemies. So I thought that was one really cool touch about the game. Did that factor in to which character you played as and who did you pick when you played this game? Or do you just go with Don because he's your favorite? I went with Don for every Turtles game. And there was one specific reason that I always picked Don. And it was because of... Because he does machines? Well, that too. I did like that. But it was the bow staff. Ah. Because it gave you much greater distance on your attacks so I always liked that. It wasn't as close as Raphael. It wasn't as close as Michelangelo. You, you kind of had the similar distance with Leonardo, but the bow staff, to me, that was the reason to go with Don. That was definitely a good reason, and I think in the arcade game, the first arcade game, that was totally true. Having that extra reach did give him an advantage, and he was always my favorite character to play as well. I also like the fact that he's purple. Purple's my favorite color, so uh, it all worked out very well for me as far as that goes. But I tend to change it up depending on what game I was playing. Like, Team NT2, the arcade game, the NES version, they were all identical. The range was the same, so it didn't really matter who you picked in that one, so... I would just mix it up, or i just use Don because he was still my favorite. In the Manhattan Project, I would tend to go with Leo because I loved that spinning special move. You could totally cheese it on the bosses because once you were down to like one hit point, you could use the special move as much as you wanted. So I would just totally spam it, and hopefully I would be able to kill the boss before they killed me. But it was really powerful and really useful, so that's who I tend to go with in that game. Anyway, we still have quite a few Ninja Turtles games to talk about, but we've been going for a little bit here, so why don't we take a little intermission, and then when we come back, we will continue discussing some of our favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video games.
All right, we are back and we are ready to continue our discussion of our favorite and possibly not so favorite games based on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We've talked about some of the NES and Game Boy and arcade games so far, but about now we're kind of getting to one that is both of our favorites, I believe, a game that came out in 1992. That was the first Ninja Turtles game on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, TMNT 4 Turtles in Time. You have to love Turtles in Time, man. That, to me, is the pinnacle of the series. I mean, I still love that first arcade game more than that, but I consider this, when it comes to home console video games, this is like, you know, in my top ten for sure. I want to say that I got it the same day as I got my Super Nintendo. Oh, wow. Which, you pair that with Super Mario World, and I mean, you're living good. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, this game was actually based on a second TMNT arcade game. You know, that rolled out a couple years after the original, and it was simply called TMNT Turtles in Time. And this Super NES game that came out about a year later is indeed an adaptation of that. But because we're talking about the Super NES rather than an NES port, you know, very few compromises were needed to bring it to a home console and make it really, really excellent. It was basically the same formula as the first arcade game, but taken to a whole new level. It had more stages, more bosses, more moves, and as you can probably tell from the name, a story that involved traveling through time from modern day, which you know would have been the late 80s, early 90s, to prehistoric times, to swashbuckling pirates, to the Old West, and even into the far, far future of 2020, where the Turtles rode hoverboards as they raced through a neon-filled night amongst a futuristic city. Neon Night Riders. You gotta love it. Yep. Indeed, indeed. And gameplay-wise, you know, that auto-throw that I keep talking about from the first game, you know, that's not there, but it was replaced by a manual throw that sent enemies spiraling into the screen using Mode 7. Yeah, that's what we were talking about earlier with the Shredder's Revenge. How they put that there at the end of the trailer, just be like, oh, here's the exclamation point. Check it out. You can throw a guy into the screen. This is where it all started, and that was just so darn cool. I mean, it was pretty much mind-blowing back in the day, back in 1992. It really was, and it really showed off what the Super Nintendo could do. Because before then, you had these kind of I don't want to say mediocre arcade ports, but you had ones where they had to make so many compromises. And Turtles in Time just felt like an authentic arcade experience. Yeah, it really, really was. And it was just so satisfying. The way you could hurl guys like that in the screen, super satisfying. Or you could grab a foot soldier by the wrist and then swing him back and forth uh, like uh, you know the Hulk with Loki. Boy, there's another Avengers <laughs> reference. Man, Avengers just stealing TMNT stuff left and right. Turtle said it first. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, this affected other enemies as well. It was great for just clearing out crowds of enemies. It was super powerful. just crushed, like, everything that was around you. And I probably call that one of gaming's most satisfying moves when I did that as my big topic several months ago. But, uh, yeah, the game was really satisfying from a gameplay perspective. And then just that time travel thing was a great gimmick. Going to all these different time periods was just super cool. One of the problems with a lot of games, especially brawlers, you only have so many locations that you can do. You know, everybody this does is true. the fire stage, the water stage, the ice stage. But by doing the time travel aspect, you got to have a pirate stage. You mm -hmm. got to have, you know, your futuristic New York City. You know, you got to have all these different levels and every one of them looked stunning. Yeah, it is completely true. It nailed it across the board, both as far as looks goes and as far as variety. Yeah, that's definitely one of the drawbacks of a beat-em-up that can get very stale. But this just kept, you know, new cool things coming at you pretty much constantly. And another thing that I love about the Super NES version is that in many ways it was better than the arcade game. It had new levels. It had new bosses. The third level, the sewer stage... Uh, that had a new boss. You had Rat King in there. 
instead of just uh, you know killing a bunch of pizza monsters. And also, one thing that was weird about the arcade game is that after you did that, as you were done with that sewer level, suddenly Shredder just shows up and goes, I'm throwing you back through time. But in the Super NES version, you actually go to the Technodrome at that point. It's this three-part stage, you know, complete with an elevator segment, which, of course, is the hallmark of a truly great beat-em-up. Then you have this boss fight with Shredder that actually requires you to use that Mode 7 stuff and throw the enemies into the screen because he's, like, you know, sitting there, you know, at the screen, like, you know, attacking the turtles. So you throw the enemies into him, and that's how he takes damage. And that not only is just a really, really cool boss fight, but, you know, it's a great addition that was not there in the coin-op. No, you kind of took it for granted as a kid, but, man, when you look at just all the different gameplay aspects that they had in that title, it it was just, it was unheard of at the time. Yep, they were really pushing the envelope with this one. Uh, Then on the Pirate stage, you know, Pirate Bebop and Pirate Rocksteady were added in. They were not there in the arcade game. I think you got Toka and Razar, who were from the second TMNT movie, if I'm not mistaken. You're correct. Yeah, they got moved into the Technodrome. And, you know, it's weird to have a Turtles game without Bebop and Rocksteady. You know, they were like the staples of the cartoon and the games at the time, but they were left out of... TMNT Turtles in Time arcade version. So to see them come back and then get a pirate makeover was just totally awesome. And by the way, this is a great time for me to mention how I love the fact that we were getting toy companies making Ninja Turtles action figures. In this day and age, they're specifically based on TMNT Turtles in Time. Like, they have these pixel graphics. We're actually getting a pirate Bebop and a pirate Rocksteady. We are getting Baxter Stockman with that weird rubber hand thing he attacks you with in the first level. And we have other you know, renditions that are very specific to Turtles in Time. I think that goes a long way to show the longevity of this game. Absolutely. It also makes it a little bit sadder that that game is not available on modern consoles. Yeah, yeah. That is a bummer. I don't think it's ever been re-released on anything other than the super nes that particular version i mean we got a remake that was 3d a while later we've had some arcade ports but as far as that exact version you know that's the only one i will say the one drawback the one thing that isn't as good as the arcade game is it could only support two players but still playing in two player and having all this other stuff i think is a fair trade-off for sure absolutely uh, also, shout out to uh, Super Shredder. He got an upgrade, you know, just ended with regular Shredder in the arcades, but then he was Super Shredder as the final boss in TMNT4 Super NES version. So, yeah, just, you know, like you said, there's just something new and awesome and creative around every corner. And yeah, that is one of the all-time great Super NES games, one of the all-time great beat-em-ups. Really can't say too many good things about it. As the last of Konami's TMNT, they're true TMNT like beat 'em ups. It makes sense that they kind of threw everything at the wall for that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of does. When you look back, it really is a high water point. However, you know, it did not stop there. The Turtles games kept coming. Konami was still making them too. And so the one we got after that, I believe, was TMNT Tournament Fighters. At least that was the next one on home console. It came out on the Super NES. There was also a Genesis version and an NES version. But yeah, you know, they were like, okay, Street Fighter 2 craze is here, so we're going to make our own one-on-one fighting game. Only it stars the Turtles and Shredder as playable characters, as well as a whole bunch of obscure characters. I don't really even know who they are, like Wingnut and Screwloose, uh, some girl named Asuka some big monster named War. I know the end boss was Karai, who was a character from the comic book at the time, and she's you know come back in other versions of Turtles since then. But I believe she had just sort of shown up as like, uh, I think it's Shredder's daughter, but also the new leader of the Foot Clan. And somehow she made it into the game as the final boss for Tournament Fighters. But uh, still, a lot of the characters you would expect to be in there weren't but uh, you know they didn't stop it from still being a fun game you know no it absolutely was and a lot of those characters did hail from the toy line or i believe war came from the archie comic series yeah i know some of them are from that comic book for sure so you had a weird mixed bag but it also gave it a lot of personality yeah it was a very unique game and i think that it makes it a little bit more memorable 
Yeah, I mean, if they had just gone with the same enemies and characters that you had seen in you know, like four or five previous games, it wouldn't be quite the same. I think they were trying to mix it up and be like, okay, this isn't the same old stuff. You want to come back and play this game. Different genre, different characters. Obviously, got to have the turtles in there, and you can't have it without Shredder. But uh, yeah, it was nice the way they mixed things up for sure. And one thing that was nice for me, especially being a fan of the toy line, is that a lot of the toy characters kind of got the short end of the stick from both the cartoon and the previous games. Because you'd have all these heroic characters that were, you know, secondary characters that showed up for one episode. Mm -hmm. But you bought the toy of them and you couldn't, you know, you couldn't see them on the show. You couldn't play as them. But tournament fighters gave you that chance so i thought that was kind of neat i also like the fact that rat king was one of the characters in this game i forget if he was playable by default or if he required a secret code yeah, i think he was one of the bosses you had to use a secret code to play as him but i was always a fan of rat king for some reason so i thought it was great that he got to be one of the bosses in uh, tournament fighters on the Super NES. He was simultaneously cool and disgusting, <laughs> which applied to a lot of Turtles characters, to be honest with you. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I have to say, though, the NES version, uh, not nearly as good. It had to be severely simplified in terms of both graphics and controls. I remember kind of being able to just mash my way through it. But yeah, if you're going to play this game on a classic Nintendo system, do yourself a favor and play the Super NES version. Definitely. There were a few other Konami games released around that time. There were more games for the Game Boy. There was TMNT 2, Back from the Sewers, and TMNT 3, The Radical Rescue. And I don't remember either of those games being nearly as fun as Fall of the Foot Clan. I mean, they looked gorgeous. I remember seeing screenshots of Back from the Sewers. I'm like, man, how do they get graphics this detailed on the Game Boy? I mean, it really looked more like a cartoon except for being monochromatic i was shocked uh however then i played it and i'm like oh oh i'm i'm very disappointed i felt disappointment you know usually i felt like i knew what i was going to get but man i got that game like oh yeah this uh this is not living up to my expectations at all just something about the gameplay just it felt very different and i didn't enjoy it nearly as much as fall of the foot clan did you play either of those on game boy I did not. I had Fall of the Foot Clan, but by that point, I was kind of starting to check out on the Turtles license. I see, I see. Well, I have to say, when it comes to those two, at least Part 2, I can say for sure, I don't think you missed anything. Part 3, I kind of wish I had played that one more. I think I like borrowed it from a friend one time in English class and played it when the teacher wasn't looking. That was like the only time I played it. But uh, yeah, I kind of wish I could go back and see how that one actually stacks up. But yeah, after we got, you know, those games and tournament fighters, I feel like as far as, you know, console and dedicated gaming systems go, the Ninja Turtles, you know, kind of disappeared from the scene. They weren't kind of the hot thing anymore, and we didn't see them around for a few more years, unless there's something that came out that I'm not thinking of. You know, they skipped the N64, but then they did come back with the GameCube. And strangely enough, Konami was actually the one with the license again. And, you know, TMT had been reborn, you know, there was a whole new series at that point, new aesthetic, new look, new storyline in a lot of ways, new characters, but Konami's like, hey, you know what, we had great success with this before, we are going to bring it back, and so they did, with no fewer than four games on the GameCube. There was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, TMNT 2 Battle Nexus, TMNT 3 Mutant Nightmare, and TMNT Mutant Melee. Did you play any of these? I did. I actually owned Battle Nexus on GameCube, which was cool. I specifically bought it for the uh, TMNT arcade port that was included <laughs> with it. Yes, that was one of the cool things about these games, and that is that Battle Nexus had a port of TMNT 1, and you know it wasn't arcade perfect. They like totally changed the audio. I think the sound effects were different. The music was completely different. It was also very framey, but at this point, you know, that had not been released in its arcade form, I don't think, on any home game console. So it's like, man, if you like this game and you want to play it at all in an approximation of its arcade form, something that's not the NES game, this was the way to do it. So, yeah, they totally hooked me with that same thing as well. In the modern era, we're kind of spoiled by ports. Yeah. But if you look back at the GameCube days, 
there weren't a lot of ports of, of older titles at that point. Nope, nope. So the fact that we had a chance to play TMNT Arcade, even if it wasn't perfect, was pretty cool. It was kind of hot garbage, <laughs> but uh, I know what you're saying. But yeah, Mutant Nightmare also included a similar port of a Turtles in Time arcade game. And yeah, that, again, was something that hadn't been released in its arcade incarnation before. So that was a nice thing to have. Yeah, overall, I was not enamored with these TMNT games. You know, like we said, beat-em-ups can get very repetitive. And, you know, when you're talking about an arcade game that lasts maybe an hour or two at most, you pack in a lot of variety and you're traveling through time and seeing all these different environments, you know, that works really well because, you know, you're over and done in a pretty short amount of time. When you're having a game made exclusively for home systems and it lasts, you know, five, six, eight, ten, twelve hours or whatever, and you're just, you know, mashing on the buttons and beating the heck ahead of guys for that amount of time, it's really hard to make it be enjoyable for that stretch of time. No, you're absolutely correct. That's one of the biggest problems for beat-em-ups in kind of a post-arcade era. Yeah, so, you know, I remember talking to folks from Konami at the time, and they talked about how they were trying to recapture the arcade spirit of previous titles, but, you know, I don't think they were really able to do so. You know, just too drawn out, too repetitive, and, uh, you know, while there were some good things about it, like, you know, multiplayer support, of course, I think that Battle Nexus and Mutant Nightmare and probably Mutant Melee were all four-player compatible, which was a great option to have that hadn't really been in many home Turtles games before. Yeah, overall, yeah, I was fairly let down by these releases. Uh, there were GBA games as well. I remember Konami made at least two. I think one of them was uh, called Battle Nexus. Another one was just called Ninja Turtles. It's been so long, I have to say, I don't think I remember those games at all. I don't think a lot of people do. It's kind of funny. There were a lot of TMNT games post-year 2000, but none of them stuck with me like those groundbreaking early TMNT games did. After those Konami games, though, the rights went to the folks at Ubisoft, and they released a TMNT game that was like on every platform, like Wii, GameCube, DS, PC, PS2. There was a GBA port as well. And uh, they also made a game called TMNT Smash Up, which came out for Wii. And as that name implies, it uh, was sort of a uh, Smash Brothers-inspired fighting game. And even though this was a cover story of Nintendo Power, I believe we did the reveal on this game, or I don't know, maybe I'm forgetting at this point. I wasn't involved with that cover story, so I didn't get to play the game for the article. I don't know if I've ever actually played that game, but uh, I've heard it's relatively decent, and I'm sure that's due in large part to the fact that Game Arts, which helped develop Super Smash Bros. Brawl, I believe, was involved with the development of this game. And Game Arts, you know, mostly... I love them because they did some fantastic RPGs. They did Lunar, they did Grandia, but they also were involved with Smash and then became involved with this. But uh, yeah, my personal experience actually playing this game is very minimal. Uh, did you play this one, Mark? I did, actually. It's one of the few Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games post-Turtles in Time that I have played. And okay, honestly, it's not a bad game. You know, it's funny, there's not a lot of Super Smash Brothers clones out there, mm -hmm. which is kind of surprising yeah, considering how big Super Smash Brothers has been for two decades now. But um, I thought that Ubisoft did a pretty good job replicating that Super Smash Brothers formula. You didn't quite have a cast as good as Super Smash Brothers by any stretch. This is true. But um, it was actually pretty neat, and I thought that they did a pretty good job of replicating the mechanics of the fighting game franchise. You did have some really weird character choices in there. I vaguely remember that. The Rabbids. The Rabbids were in there. That's right. Which was very odd. How bizarre. Teenage Mutant Ninja Rabbids. Yeah, as far as TMNT games go, post-Turtles in Time, it's not the worst. Well, <laughs> that is somewhat reassuring, at least. Another one I remember that was released by Ubi was TMNT Arcade Attack for DS. And that was another one where they're like, oh, hey, you know, we know you love those classic arcade games. I mean, they put the word arcade right in the title there. So they're like, yeah, 
Maybe you didn't like our other stuff, but this one, it's going to be like those old arcade games you love putting quarters into. Again, this is one I didn't play a lot of, but from what I did play, I felt like it did not quite capture that arcade fun. So I think I put it back on the shelf pretty quickly. It seemed like there were a lot of attempts to recapture that magic. There were indeed. And nothing's quite done it yet. Right, exactly. Which is why I'm hoping that uh, Shredder's Revenge will be the one that changes all that. Fingers are crossed. But uh, yeah, after that, I think the rights went to Activision and they released several titles. I think they actually released two completely different games for multiple systems simply called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think one was just like, you know, here's a game based on the franchise or maybe it was based on the cartoon. And then another one with that same title that was based on a movie that came out like 2014, I think. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I did not play either of those games, however. Uh, And then I think the last one that was released on Nintendo Systems was TMNT Danger of the Ooze, which came out in 2014 on 3DS. also came out on other consoles that weren't Nintendo Systems. Uh, This one, and again, I gotta put in my usual disclaimer, this one was developed by WayForward, where I'm employed. But I was obviously not working there at the time. But uh, yeah, this one is very different from other TMNT games in that it is a Metroid-like non-linear action-adventure game. You get to play as all four turtles. You also get to gain new weapons and abilities that let you explore this big non-linear interconnected map that you're exploring. I haven't played a lot of this game. This is one I actually acquired fairly recently despite the fact that it came out seven years ago but i picked it up last year i've only played i don't know an hour or less but you know i got some shuriken i can use those to activate certain machines those unlock doors that i couldn't get through before and that lets you you know just wander around more of the map as i'm trying to stop uh, the bad guys plan from i don't know unleashing the mutagen or whatever it was so uh, i can't really say that much about it because my experience is fairly minimal but uh so far i'm kind of digging it the idea of putting the turtles into that castlevania metroid style game seems like a pretty smart move i'm actually intrigued to try that one myself now yeah i mean like i said a lot of people just try to go that arcade route and if you can't do that and you can't do it perfectly and if you need to have a game that is more than you know an hour or two i think that you know trying to go down that path and do something a little bit different and do a Metroid style. It seems like a great way to try it out. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully spending some more time with this one one of these days. And if I don't like it, I know who to yell at. <laughs> anyway, yeah, with that game, that kind of takes us up to what I believe is the last game released on Nintendo Systems. I mean, I think there have been some crossovers with the Turtles in there since then. I think they've been showing up in some of these Nickelodeon games since, you know, they are now an official Nickelodeon property. But I believe that was the last bonafide dedicated TMNT game. Came out, like I said, seven years ago. So I'm looking forward to see where things go from here. Hopefully we will have the official word that TMNT Shredder's Revenge is coming to Switch. And uh, like I said, regardless of what platforms it's on, I am totally looking forward to it anyway. But uh, yeah, there's been some great games with the Turtles so far, and hopefully there are still great games, or I would even say radical games, in the Turtles' future. I'll tell you right now, Shredder's Revenge has become one of my most anticipated games, just based on that trailer. Oh yeah, me too, me too. I'm all in. Yeah, I am greatly looking forward to that one. Good pedigree behind the developer, behind the publisher, behind the license. The trailer looks spectacular. Did I mention how awesome the music was? Yeah, that's looking really great. And uh, yeah, until that does come out, we have these classic games we can play. I will give one more word of warning. Because I am such a huge fan of that first arcade game, there was a company that recently released like this pocket keychain-sized TMNT arcade game. And I mean, that sounds crazy, you know, an arcade game in your pocket? But heck, that was 32 years ago that came out. You know, technology has evolved a lot. You know, look at the phone in my pocket, all the things the phone can do. So it's like, okay, I've got this Ninja Turtles arcade game in my pocket. It's a small screen. It's got small controls. But I'm sure that in modern era, a little keychain could play a 1989 arcade game. Yeah, that was not the right thing to think. That was completely wrong. 
This keychain version is terrible. It is barely even playable. So uh, as a word of warning, if you see this thing and say, oh, wow, classic Turtles arcade game. I love this thing. I'm going to get this. Don't do it. It is smoking hot garbage. You actually saved me money on that, Hoff, because I was all (laughs) set to buy that a few months back until you told me that it was hot garbage. Like, I knew that it wasn't going to have all the levels. It was supposed to only have three levels or something. But, like, first of all, I don't think you can even change your character. I think the only turtle you can play as is Don. That's, like, the one good thing about it. It's like, okay, if I'm stuck only being one turtle, at least it's Don. But beyond that, like, it kind of looks like the arcade game, but it plays nothing like the arcade game. Like, you just mash on the buttons and the bad guys die, and you take tons of damage constantly, and it's full of one-hit kills, and I think a lot of stuff is unavoidable. And because it's so unbalanced, every time you kill an enemy, like, your health goes up, like, a ton. But, yeah, it's like they got the assets to the arcade game, but they didn't get the program for the arcade game, and they just sort of glued it together or something. It's I expect if I open it up, there'll be, like, a little, little tiny hamster. It's spinning a little, little tiny wheel, and that's how it runs. <laughs> or maybe a rat. Anyway... This terrible pocket arcade version notwithstanding, there are a lot of great classic TMNT games out there that are tons of fun and can keep us occupied until TMNT Shredder's Revenge arrives. It looks awesome and I cannot wait to play it. It can't come soon enough. Indeed, indeed. And uh, that pretty much covers all we had for this week's episode of the show. But before we wrap it up, there's one more thing I would like to do. And that is a dramatic reading. This time is going to be the back of the box from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Fall of the Foot Clan. Who will stop Shredder from wringing America's favorite turtlenecks? In cahoots with exiled alien Zapmaster Krang, the evil Shredder has once again kidnapped the dashing damsel of the news desk, April O'Neil. To rescue this ravishing reporter, you must return to the sewers and dredge forth those reptiles with a penchant for pizza and all the nifty knife work of a chop suey chef. You'll control every move of Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael as they arm themselves with head-rattling nunchakus, backstabbing sai swords, and liver-lashing katana blades. Of course, this once-in-a-light-year adventure will really start rumbling the nanosecond you bust into five never-before-seen levels of Manhattan mayhem, including the Traffic Jam, Waste Dump Ravine, and Technodrome Tower. Here you'll perfect the ancient art of icing, dicing, and shuriken slicing. And you'll get the chance to wipe the smirks off the faces of all-new Creepshow Freaks, like Roadkill Rodney, Shellshocker, and that nasty villain, Phileo Filth. So get back into your shell and start snapping away, before April goes from delivering the news to singing the blues in some new cement shoes. Now, I don't want to take away from your dramatic reading, because that's always spectacular. But can we just talk about how fantastically written that box <laughs> writing is? Well, I'm, I don't know if I want to argue with you about that. There were a couple things that stood out to me, though. One, man, it ends on a really dark note, man. <laughs> There's some dark notes throughout the whole thing. <laughs> well, yeah, liver slashing. That's no picnic either. They got liver slashing. Cement shoes, liver slashing. Yeah, that's oh, liver lashing. My oh. bad, my bad. On, on a kid? Th- I mean, that's that's directly targeted to kids in, yeah in 1989 or was it 89 uh 1990 was that one 1990 yeah. no less yeah crazy crazy and who the heck is this filet filth guy it's like the worst mcdonald's sandwich ever oh that sounds terrible <laughs> i i have to say i've played that game many times but i don't remember who that was at all was it just some weird father i mean it definitely wasn't a boss i don't know that one's new to me, but man, that is some exquisite writing. <laughs> I take off my cap to whoever got that job. Well, they certainly don't make them like that anymore. 
Anyway, that does it for this special episode of Power Pros. We're still not on a regular schedule, so I'm not sure if or when we'll be back again. But nonetheless, you can reach us at PowerProsePod on Twitter and Facebook, as well as via email at PowerProsePod at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at Chris Hoff and Mark at Mark DeChamp. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, Mark DeChamps. Always great to be here, Hoff. And our leader, Leonardo. Slice and dice! Keep on playing with power. And by that, I mean turtle power. Cowabunga. Cowabunga.